0: In direct mail if you mail everyone that's the fastest way to go broke but if you segment the list into relevant chunks of interest and buying power then you don't go broke because uh, you know it's very accountable you pay for that so so the change has turned into mass market to uh, segmenting and becoming more precision and surgical like even though email is still free
1: You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Balu and Michael Palmer. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. I'm your co-host, Nikki Balu, And I am the other co-host, Michael Palmer. And we are so excited today because, as usual, we have a Phenomenal guest here for you to listen to. Look, this podcast is all about the business end of thought leadership. The people who listen to this podcast are people who are interested in how to be more commercially successful with their thought leadership and their expertise. And the gentleman that we have here as our guest today is none other than the one, the only Alex
0: Mandosian. Say hello, Alex. Hello there. I, I wish my mom could be listening because she still doesn't know what I do. <laughs> That's fantastic. Alex, you probably
1: don't remember, but I've actually met you. You were in Toronto at uh, an event put on by one of my mentors, Raymond Aaron. Raymond actually was our inaugural guest on this podcast, and uh, he introduced us. I'm the fellow who um, way back in the day in a previous life coached him to run that crazy polar race that he did back in the North Pole. And uh, you were there, and you did a fantastic job speaking at that event. So it's really great for me to have you on this uh, podcast episode today. Well, I'm happy
0: to cross paths again. That's great. I remember that.
1: Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, listen, you're somebody who I think exemplifies the definition of a thought leader. And we say that an expert is someone who knows something. A thought leader is someone who is known for knowing something. Could you take a couple minutes and just tell us your story? How'd you come to be the great Alex Mendozian?
0: Well, I have several origin stories, but the one that's most relevant to leadership happened in 1992. I was in Northern California in a little city on a ropes course, and I was looking at this 12-foot wall. And if you're listening, and if you've ever done a ropes course um, outside, whether it's hot or snowing or somewhere in between, there usually is the wall somewhere to be found. There were about 20 of us. Some weighed over 450 pounds. Others weighed 85 pounds. I was about 165, and we all had to get over that wall with no rope. And so I know leadership is a choice, just like thought leadership is a choice, and I decided to take leadership into my own hands and be the first over the wall, because I thought that's what leadership looked like. And so I looked at my teammates, and we had about uh, less than 10 minutes to get over that wall. And as I went up and over, at that moment, I was helpless because I couldn't assist any of the other folks. I just had to walk back down and watch them go up. And one of my friends who I was um, rooming with at this particular training, it was a personal development training, and um, he was the final guy to go over the wall. He was stepped on, he, he had his nose bloodied, his hands were all scabbed up from you know helping people over. And I took the position of leading from the front, and he took the position of leading from behind. And I wasn't really conscious of it at the time, but I remember how I felt. My my heart sank because I couldn't assist anyone and lead. So that's been a metaphor for me to lead from behind. And there's a Chinese proverb that says, when the true leader's job is done, all the people say we did it ourselves. And so what thought leadership means to me is that when I get on stage and I say, "Okay, any of you who will be future students, I want you to be bigger and more influential and have more reach, make more money and whatever is meaningful to you than me. And I wanna assist you to get there by leading from behind. And I've said that for about 20 years, and I can't tell you, nothing is more annoying to me and my ego than when it actually happens. (laughs) And it's happened many, many times, I could drop names, but um, that's been my greatest honor is having a little part in the meteoric rises of, uh, online and offline marketers and leaders and thought leaders, uh, and training them just to uh, ignite, you know, and light the fuse for their future success.
2: Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, Alex, you know, you've been at this a long time and I'd like to hear a little bit from you about what that journey's looked like in terms of the changes that you've seen
0: the industry have. Well, in reference to internet marketing, I uh, was consulting uh, for a Canadian, actually, another Canuck, um, by the name of Rob Bell. He had uh, taken over one shopping cart, which was the Infusionsoft of that day, and it was just starting out. This is way before, you know, the bubble burst, and it was it was before Google. You know, it was BG, you know? <laughs> BG. Nice. And, uh, you know, one shopping cart was super simple to uh, – to own. It was a CRM system, or that that's what they called it. And that changed you know, definitions over the years. But he um, had taken it over from uh, a guy by the name of George Wu. Smart, smart guys. And I assisted Rob as my first consulting gig. I didn't really know what I was doing. But to um, package one shopping cart in, in order to sell it to web pros who own it today. And I think it was about a $15 million payday which was really good for Rob. Um, And his son still works at One Shopping Cart. Now, that was my first consulting gig. That was my first uh, toe dip into the water of uh, internet marketing. You know, fast forward into 2001, I moved from New York City where I was living with my then wife, Amy. And after the birth of my son, we had no family out there. And we had family uh, in Northern California where I live right now in Marin. And so you need professional babysitters, right? In-laws. And so we came out here, had a second child, Brianna, in 2002. And, you know, prior to Brianna's birth, there was a tragedy that changed my business. And that tragedy was September 11th when the two buildings came down. I was watching it on television in Orinda, California. And I couldn't believe it because my partner at the time worked in that one of the two buildings on the 73rd floor, and um, you know she would have been there without uh, my son being born and deciding to move out west. And so as those buildings came down, I had no idea what was going to happen. But shortly thereafter, um, I was contacted by thought leaders like Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, Les Brown, Brian Tracy, T. Harv Eker. And folks that are, you know, well-known from the Nightingale Conant days and their catalog, there were cassette tapes back then. Most people don't even know what that is these days, but um, post eight-track, pre-CD, and some millennials don't even know what a CD is anymore, right? So, you know, there's been a lot of changes, but the speakers and the authors still had to get exposure for their brand, and no one was flying planes back then because all the airports shut down for a bit, and, you know, people didn't want to go to events. But life had to go on. So they would connect with me to conduct teleseminars. And I became the Larry King of teleseminars. Um, Larry King said that about me and I, i met him in his house in Beverly Hills about a decade ago. And the interesting thing was I was a leader from behind. I would interview these thought leaders. They felt like they were made to look great in public in front of their own tribe. And then they would invite me to promote whatever I had to their tribe. And those were my first JV partners and eventually created a course called Teleseminar Secrets and generated about $14 million until its final year. And a super smart guy, Jeff Walker and his brother, John Walker, handled my launch in the final year. Million dollar launches happened all the time back then because people didn't do them. Mm -hmm. And of course, Jeff came out with the just ingenious product launch formula, which has made millions, probably billions soon. And so what's changed over the years that I've noticed is there's a lot more noise. There's a, There are many more thought leaders, both self-appointed and acknowledged by their tribes. And the goal now is to eliminate distraction and get attention. And it's much more difficult than when we started. I sent my first email in the year 2000, and now email is kind of a headache, you know, with the inboxes being flooded with marketing communications that you ask for and you don't ask for. So the goal today is engagement. And when people ask me, how big is your list? My response is, which one? And the way to do business today with email is the same way we've done it with direct mail back in the day, 20 years ago, in direct mail, if you mail everyone, that's the fastest way to go broke. But if you segment the list into relevant chunks of interest and buying power, then you don't go broke because, uh, you know, it's very accountable. You pay for that. So I pretend to take the E off of email and treat it like mail, direct mail. And I, I know a lot about postcards because that's how um, I really started on the internet in 2001. Marketing with postcards was my first product. And what has developed into, I think, a very good business for coaches and consultants, that's that's who I typically um, train and teach. That's my sweet spot to work on their business versus just working in their business. Um, what ends up happening is we teach them how to take an online list and treat it like direct mail so that the tribe that they're working with and sublists of tribes are getting relevant and meaningful offers and information and training and not just what I would call digital vomit (laughs) and, you know, allowing them to opt out when they really don't need to. So the change has turned into mass email, mass market to uh, segmenting and becoming more precision and surgical-like, even though email is still free.
2: Yeah. And and, and speaking of mail and postcards, do you
0: use any of that today? Well, the key to wealth and, and exposure is to integrate marketing. Int- integrity, integration, they're related, right? And so having something that's integrated means you have email, you have text broadcast, you have voice broadcast, you have uh, 24-hour recorded messages with the packages that go out. you know, Before you break open this box, listen to this 24-hour recorded message. I learned that from very close friend of mine, Joe Polish, 23 years ago, and also direct mail. I love mailing postcards in order to come back online, uh, get a lead magnet, uh, which, you know, I learned from Ryan Dice, who was a consulting um, uh, account for me in 2002. And now he's created Digital Marketer to be, you know, I think a 30 or $40 million business. It's just amazing. Yeah, it is. And, And so going offline to online is extremely powerful, and most people don't do it because it costs money. So I'm not gonna say we've been spoiled by free marketing, but if you treat email as if it's a dollar per email going out, your mindset changes, and you take that leading from behind position versus command and control, you engage and enroll. It takes more time, but in taking more time, you sacrifice short-term profit in exchange for long-term wealth
1: You know, Alex, you mentioned Jeff Walker, and I was listening to an interview done on another podcast of Jeff Walker by uh, Donald Miller in his Storybrand podcast, and we're big fans of Donald Miller's. And Jeff Walker in that podcast said that, in his opinion, email is still by far the most profitable way. For him to engage with his list and get results, what are your thoughts on that? And additionally, you know, you, you're really someone who sees where the trends are going. Where do you think the trends are going? And well, what
0: should coaches and consultants be aware of? It, it's uh, it's a very good question, and Jeff is right. You know, and also, that, I think that's a universal truth. And I believe the opposite of a truth is a falsehood, but the opposite of a universal truth. Is typically another universal truth: general relativity with Einstein, and quantum physics with you know whoever invented that back in the day. I got that quote from Niels Bohr, who was um, a genius at, uh, of his day, and and so I, I I would say Jeff is right, and it is the single most profitable driver if you know how to use it properly. If now if you just joint venture with everyone with non-relevant offers and not extensions of what you have. If you just mass mail, even editorial content, that doesn't work. But if you segment your digital list, like Ryan Dice does so well with Digital Marketer, then you end up having these buckets of relevancy. And there's a bucket for people who just watch virtual presentations. Like I do Google Hangouts. There's another bucket for teleseminars, which is a different behavior. Um, There's a bucket of coaches there's a bucket for information marketers you may get some coaches in there but they're information marketers i have another bucket for authors i do virtual book tours where i interview them publicly and then they sell and promote their books virtually versus you know going from bookstore to bookstore and living out of suitcases and hotels so if you can identify the sub list as if you were doing direct mail again fastest way to go broke in direct mail is to mass email your entire list. Uh, my colleague and mentor, Dan Kennedy, taught me that uh, over 20 years ago. Then by treating email like direct mail, as many people do, and I think Jeff does, um, he's very, very selective of when he mails out and who he does JVs with, then definitely email is the single most profitable driver of online marketing. Yeah, that's really
1: poignant what you just said in terms of what coaches and consultants uh, need to focus on. One of the things that we say is that for you to really be able to 10x your business, if you're a coach or a consultant, you frankly shouldn't call yourself a coach or a consultant because people put you in a box That's why we're really big fans of the term thought leader, because a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something, and then they got multiple ways in which they can deliver it. They can do some coaching. They can do some consulting. They can do some training. They can author an online program or a book. What are your thoughts on that, and um, how do you advise the people that you work with on how to position themselves properly?
0: Well, the first thing we do is we mentor them and coach them on the collision of roles they take on during the day. Now, to be clear, in America, in the US, we call it coach, probably Canada too. In uh, England, they call it a guide. In France, tutor. In India, guru. (laughs) In Tibet, they call it a lama. Japan, sensei, Italy, maestro, right? So whatever it is that you call it, in Greece, they call it mentor. And I, I've, take on, I've taken on Mentor because Socrates is one of my heroes with his Socr- Socratic method and uh, the Ask methodology that I started in 2002. And uh, now my good friend Ryan Levesque has taken it to the 3.0 level with his book Ask and the Ask method. Um, and so I believe that every day we come into a collision of roles. I could be on a hangout and I'm teacher. And I could be on a hangout and simultaneously be JV partner if I'm being interviewed. If my kids are texting me and there's an emergency, then I'm a dad. If my former wife texts me, then I'm a former husband. If my mom calls me, I'm a son. So those collisions happen every single day. A coach is just one role that he or she is taking. We have an avatar, you know, our ideal, uh, target audience, our bullseye uh, client, our slam dunk client, as Dan Kennedy calls it, is Coach Carl. And the female version is Coach Carla. And so we're crystal clear on who these people are. They're frugal in their lifestyle, but they spend rich on continuing education. They're passionate about their quality of work. They're they're usually the primary source of financial support for their team and their family. Um, They don't have recurring income because their business model is forcing them to trade dollars for hours and they wanna protect their relationship capital like they protect their life. They're time-starved, juggling their daily tasks, they're tech-challenged with internet marketing. They typically have zero to two employees and a lot of independent contractors and they don't have a tested conversion process because they're so busy working in the business versus working on the business. They hate manipulative sales techniques and they're, they have a pretty good business network but they need to grow their client base faster, and they just can't juggle two of them: coaching and then working on the business. So this person could be an author. This person could be a speaker, and probably is. This person could be an information marketer. This person could be a consultant, and actually, instead of asking questions socratically, give advice. You know, for in a done-for-you way, which which I do at our highest level at hundred thousand dollars, and so I believe. A coach is just one role that they're taking on. I call it mentor because it just sounds good, like client versus customer. To me, client is a little bit more exclusive. And if you remember anything, um, it's something that I was reminded by Ryan Dice, actually, in um, in Austin at my marketing mentors academy, Wizard Academy, Roy H. Williams is my marketing mentor. Super smart guy. A lot of people don't know his name, but you should. Um, I, I watched Ryan you know, give a talk, and I've spoken there as well, And he said, look, we're not in the B2B business, business to business. We're not B2C, business to consumer. And of course, there's B2P, which is business to patient for wellness professionals, and B2G, business to government, right? We're not in that business. We're in the H2H business, which stands for human to human. And so that's the business a coach and a consultant is in. So whatever role you take on, you're going to show up differently to your target audience or to the avatar that you're going after. And an avatar really is just the bullseye client. That's the ideal. Your target audience is much wider than that. You'll hit the target if you're if you're um, shooting an arrow. But the avatar is the is the ten points in the middle in that yellow circle. If you watch the Olympics, so it's super super cool. If you get a two or a three, you still hit the target, but the that's you're aiming for the middle, so you hit the sides. You don't aim for the sides because you'll miss the target altogether. Right? That's the analogy we use. So. I believe a coach has so much untapped potential and the paradox, guys, the irony, is they're coaching others to meet and exceed their potential. And yet most coaches I meet, when they come to me, haven't even come close to their business building potential and have zero exit strategy because like a wellness professional, dentist, chiropractor, you know, whomever, they're working dollars for hours. And so we change all that and turn them from uh, serial entrepreneurs to uh, business people who can build value and have an exit strategy. At least that's the intention.
1: I love that. Uh, And I've got two follow-up questions to your answer here. So number one, your avatar. Who is your avatar? Just for the purpose of illustration for, you know, our listener, how'd you come up with your avatar and who is it exactly? And how would you recommend that the folks listening to this podcast come up with their own?
0: Well, that's the first thing we do with our coaching students is come up with the avatar. The first thing most marketers, entrepreneurs, business people do is come up with their message. Like, what's my offer? Right. But we come up with, well, who are you marketing to? Because that's where the wallet is. The wallet is not the message that's coming out of your wallet, creating a course, creating a membership site, you know, creating a mastermind That, that costs money. So we focus on who is this target audience, and Avatar is the bullseye client or the slam dunk client, as Dan Kennedy says. And so uh, I can give um, an example online with a a URL with no opt-in, and you can look at both Avatar's female and male version, Coach Carl and Coach Carla. Now, an Avatar has aspirations. Yeah, they have problems, but they have aspirations. Uh, I was sitting in a mastermind, and Brandon Bouchard, who's well known now, meteoric rise, right from uh, two thousand to two thousand three. Um, he said, "It's all about aspirations these days. In the old days, it was about you know solving problems. Focus on aspirations." And I agree with him, right? And so it's aspirations, affiliations, and attributes. Those are the three A's we go after. And so an aspiration is, well, he wants to learn. She wants to learn, but they're frugal in their lifestyle, you know, because they'll spend a lot of money on a mastermind or mentoring or coaching. And they're really big on hiring mentors so that they kind of accelerate their growth. But, you know, they have certain spending in other parts of their life that is more frugal. They don't have a lot of employees. In fact, some of them have zero. My sweet spot is zero to two paid employees. And they're totally time starved. They're time fatigued because. They're the bottleneck. They're doing all the work. I'm not going to say that they don't want to give up the work, but behavior never lies, as one of my colleagues says. And so I know that if they're not willing to outsource and maybe pay a little bit more in order to free up some time and work on the business, then it's never going to happen. You don't want to have your final breath and say, wish I could have done that, right? And they are tech challenged and they think technology is getting in the way, When it shouldn't, you know, one online business manager part time can handle all that. Uh, They have a great business network, but they don't utilize it. I mean, think about it. Everyone has suppliers, you know, Infusionsoft, Entreport, ClickFunnels, Webinar Jam. I can go on and on. You know, they all have clients and customers. And so those are suppliers. Why not connect with them and see who else you can connect with in their network? they'll be shocked because those guys are only hit up for sponsorships and stuff like that. And lowest prices, why not have a like a little mastermind or coaching mastermind virtual or physical just with your suppliers and vendors, right? So they have good networks, but they don't know how to use them to the full potential. Again, very ironic because that's what they're coaching, but it's almost like, you know, the cobbler has kids with you know holes in their shoes. And they're juggling constantly. Nothing is more important to them than their relationship capital. It's their most valuable asset. And they protect it, you know, with everything. And they can't get out of the rut of exchanging dollars for hours. They're not project billers, project-based billers. They're, they are time-based billers in most cases. Now, many have made that conversion, but they still don't make enough money. And there's no recurring income. And the challenge for them is they're typically the primary source of for financial support for their family and business. Like I was, that was my biggest frustration with my former wife. It's like, would you please work you know, with me so we can work together? And it just didn't work. She does now, and we get along even better. <laughs> Probably the biggest challenge is they don't have a conversion process. They may have a lead magnet here and there, but they don't have what's, what's called today a marketing funnel to ascend their leads into buyers and clients, into high-end buyers and clients. They don't have that. There may be some self-worth issues or self-image issues. There's always an inner game component, right? But a coach is, is usually my best target audience and avatar because there's so much potential there that's untapped. It's like buying a stock super low, like Warren Buffett, and then selling it, in my case, just letting them go out in the marketplace, Super, super high. And the goal is never to lose them. They always come back. Because you know, I did my job. Um, I'll give I'll give you an example. There's no opt-in, so I'm not poaching a list or anything. If you go to marketingonline.com forward slash Carl, marketingonline.com forward slash Carl. And I'm not sexist. If you go to marketingonline.com forward slash Carla, you'll get the same PDF. And you'll see Carl and Carla. What they look like. And we have this blown up like three feet by five feet. I don't know what that is in centimeters, but it's big. And everything we write, everything we think of, every offer we make is directed towards this avatar. Because we know even if we miss the bullseye, we'll hit the target. So sure, we we have millennials, we have senior citizens, we have people in service businesses such as you know, dentists, chiropractors. I have a hundred thousand dollar chiropractic client. Right. Two of them, actually. And uh, we have people who have uh, productivity tools such as uh, like a, a a day planner in retail stores. But we're going after Coach Carl and Coach Carla. And bu- and by being so clear on that and teaching them how to do the same thing, then we move the needle daily and build the business <clears throat> so that the business is not running us, you know, taking our agenda back. Which, again, ironically, is what a coach typically does with their clients.
2: Fantastic. You know, this is this whole concept of Avatar. I'm a big fan of Ryan Dice as well and digital marketer. But I've been working with the concept of the Avatar for a while now and it's extremely powerful when you really get to know who it is that you're dealing with and marketing to. Uh, and how you can help them from that aspirational point—it's it changes the game completely. Now we don't have a, a ton of time, but I, I know one of the big things you talk about is conversion. So if you could talk a little bit—you know—you've got these avatars, you've you've uh, you've started to allude to you know lead magnets. What does that
0: conversion method look like in your eyes? Well, it doesn't matter who your avatar is, and the avatar is a who, right? The conversion is all about the how, no matter what media you utilize. So I put all of the conversion roles, and they are roles, into specific buckets. So here they are a person looking at a web page or stumbling on a web page, right? Or seeing a billboard or whatever, they haven't taken any action, they're just kind of looking at it passively. We call that person a seeker, you know, and they can choose. To click, pick up the phone. Uh, people don't fax anymore, but you could do that as well. And the moment they take action, we call that person a suspect. So we're converting a seeker. They don't know I like, can trust you. Ice cold, not cold. Ice cold. I mean, they're 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 solid. And now they're clicking, and that's where they become ice cold water. You know, like for Fahrenheit, and in the fifties. You know. Titanic flipping over that kind of ice cold water. Now they're not ready to say yes, but you've converted them and got them a little warmer because it's warmer than ice and at least it's liquid now. Now the next step is to ascend them into a prospect, which means not only have they clicked something online, if we're using that, or they've looked at a postcard, but they're actually taking action and they're saying, here, here's my email address, here's my phone number, here's my contact info, get back to me. With whatever you promise me, which is the lead magnet, right? That's what they call it. Uh, I learned that from Ryan Dice. I used to call it marketing bait, but I like lead magnet more. And so once they opt in, they're a prospect. Now, over that time frame, the, the prospect kind of knows you and likes you, but they don't trust you yet. And everyone has heard, and if you haven't, the no like and trust concept. The trust happens when you convert, again, movement. Albert Einstein said, nothing happens until something moves. Movement is life. Marketing is movement, right? Coaching is movement. Getting someone unstuck means you're moving them, right? And and adopting and embracing change. So you're changing from a seeker, a suspect, a prospect. Now, boom, a buyer. A buyer can be a customer, student, member, uh, client, patient. You can call it whatever you wish. Um, but I call it buyer because they gave you $1 or more. Steve Jobs made that famous with iTunes, 99 cents. Now, the point of having a buyer, because now they're hot, is to take them to the boiling point where they change the consistency. Cold, warm, hot, that's water. Ice is solid. When you get the boiling at 2,012 degrees Fahrenheit, 100 degrees Celsius, you have steam. And with steam, you can move a locomotive and a spaceship, And so that's the multi-buyer. That's the person who's purchased in a second session, not a one-time offer or a downsell or upsell or cross-sell or bump, whatever people call it, but in a different session where they've said, you know what? I trust you. Not only do I trust you, I'm all in. And I want the next thing you got. And I want to ignore some of the other folks talking about the same stuff so it doesn't confuse me. And so that's the conversion process from seeker to suspect to prospect to buyer to multi buyer and the purpose of any business is to create multi buyers. People call that the back end and that's where all the money is.
1: That's fantastic, Alex. You know what, one of the things that we like to do to end off our podcast is we ask our guests to give us their three expert action steps and you may recognize this because I kind of borrowed it from Raymond. During this, you know, just let our uh, listener know what are some of the things they can do to help take their own uh, commercialization of what they do forward. And if you've got something that you'd like to promote or offer to our listener, or if you've got a special promo code that you'd like to talk about, we will, uh, of course, give you an opportunity to do this now. And we'll put it in the show notes so people can access it later.
0: Well, I already gave it. I have nothing to promote or sell, but the concept and the principle of how important an avatar is and to start with it, and that's marketingonline.com forward slash Carl or forward slash Carla. It'll take you to the same place. There's no opt-in. It's You're still a suspect, you know, in my world, but a very warm one because you're going to see the way we do it with all of our clients from $100,000 all the way down to $12,000. So there are three things that you need to learn in business and in marketing, because I'm a marketer, right? And those three things are three M's. And the first M is market. (laughs) What's your target market? Now, people say, what's your target market? They should say, who is your target market? Because the market is all about who. So the first thing is ask yourself, who is my avatar, which is the bullseye on the target, Not the white ring, black ring, uh, you know, red ring or blue ring, right? In the target, it's the yellow ring, and it's the number ten in the middle. Go take a look at what a target looks like on Google. You know what I'm talking about, with a bow and arrow. Anyway, and so what you want to do is keep splitting the arrow every time you hit the bullseye. And if you miss the bullseye, you'll hit part of the market, which is that's why they call it target market. So step one is all about the market. Ask yourself, who is my target? Market or audience or reader or buyer or listener, you know, whatever is appropriate for you. So start with the market. The second thing is ask yourself what is the message that is ideal and relevant to that market? It's got to be relevant. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And it's got to be ideal to solve a problem or resolve a predicament that they're in and get them to the aspirational level of where they want to go. It causes movement, getting getting them unstuck. So market first, then message. Most people start with message, spend all their money on that, build a company around the message, and then go to market. And they don't know who the market is. So first step is the market. We call it avatar, bullseye client. Second is the message what specific message is solving the problem so they they can reach their aspirations and move away from the predicament that they're in, where they're stuck? Maybe it's divorce, or maybe it's um, planning for a wedding, or maybe it's some, uh, being audited by the IRS here in the United States, or maybe it's not being able to move forward and be stuck in trading dollars for hours, like ours is, Right. So you want to have an ideal message to market match. I like to call it the ideal market to message match. You know, when you have the right market, the message finds it. So you want to be crystal clear on that. Most people don't do it in that sequence. It's like a recipe. If you put butter in first and salt in second, you have a different product uh, that you see on the right side of the page, right? And then the third thing, which, you know, a cake or a Cupcake or or whatever you know the that vision is on the right side. The recipe is on the left side, and the sequence does matter. And then the third thing is which media will we use? Not medium, email, media, postcards, email, um, uh, online um, uh, opt-in pages, uh, direct mail, voice broadcasting, text broadcasting. Blah 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 billboards. I mean, I have marketingonline.com on my car, I get people showing up there. I go, Where, "Where'd you find us?" Oh, from your car, you know. It's a convertible BMW, and they, you know, they see it because I keep that pat- back part of the window up. It's it's amazing. So you have to have multiple media. Think of it like a ba- bicycle wheel. The the market is the wheel. The message is the hub. It's completely worthless and doesn't work unless you have lots and lots of spokes, not one. And that's all the media and the media is about how, how do I get the market to receive the message and media? We know, you know, Internet has multiple sources of media. And if you use integrated media, then you're really hedging your bet. And that's that's kind of like your marketing hedge fund uh, to avoid loss. Um, I've been called the Warren Buffett in internet marketing. Harvey McKay called me that because I asked him, I said, Harvey, could you call me the Warren Buffett of internet marketing? He said, sure. So that's how I'm introduced now, which is super cool. And Warren Buffett's first rule in investment is don't lose money as rule number one, rule number two, never forget rule number one. So I feel the same way with internet marketing. Let's not get intoxicated with email being free or seduced by it. Let's treat it as if it costs money. Who's my target? market, or audience? What's my message that's ideal for them so that it gets them unstuck to get to their aspirations faster, better, and easier? And which media, how will I create the market to message match? Those are the three action steps to ask. And just analyzing and and surveying and Socratically uh, researching who your avatar is could take a month, I hope, Single most important thing. The only thing worse than going in the wrong direction, guys, is going in the wrong direction enthusiastically. So start with the market, and we call it the avatar. That's the bullseye. Then the message. Then the media. Those three steps. That's fantastic, Alex. And
1: I got to say, you know, on behalf of uh, my co-host, Michael, and and all our listeners, it's been a real pleasure having you on this episode. We really, really are looking forward to uh, this coming out live. Thank you again for your time and have yourself an
0: absolutely awesome day. Enjoyed it. i uh, glad we crossed paths again. Thank you. Ditto.
2: All of the notes and everything that Alex mentioned and the links will all be available on com. Go there and find all those goodies. And as well, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. We'd love to hear from you. Take care.
1: You've been listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the
2: resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening.